1: What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you. As always, we have to start, T-Dub. Yesterday, Woody and I went up to Southern Hills to play in the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame scramble. And what a day it was. It was like playing indoors, guys, and it was just a great day. My team was Kim McLeod, obviously the head of Golf Oklahoma. A.G. Myers used to be the head of Oak Tree National. Cameron Myers and my dad. So it was really cool uh, for me and Cameron to kind of spend a day playing around Southern Hills with our dads. Woody, what did you think about yesterday? It, it was just a great experience for me at least. I was really glad we
0: didn't have to play the week before. That was probably the greatest cancellation of a golf tournament and rescheduling of one I've ever That's seen. Right. I told I, I told Tom Jones that I said, "Boy, you guys, you outdid yourself with this." But anytime you're getting to play, I, you know I love playing golf like that. Now I I, I used to not be all that fired up about playing golf like in those kinds of events, but now it's a highlight of my golf career. So I really do enjoy it, and to get a golf course like Southern Hills on that
3: pretty of
0: day, I will say this: you know, there was a lot of talk because uh, I had not played Southern Hills guys since the Uh So I've heard all the talk about it, and all the different things, and uh, honestly, I think it's still fabulous. Uh, I, you know, I really didn't see a whole lot that I thought was big change, uh, two. Number two is a different hole. Two, back in the old days, two, you didn't even have a fair way to hit. Now it's a lot more fair hole. But I will say this, guys, after playing Southern Hills yesterday, if you don't like Southern Hills, if you play golf at Southern Hills and you don't like it, then you need to take up bowling, croquet, <laughs> uh, tennis. I don't care what you play, but for goodness sake, don't say you're a golfer. Because if you can play that golf course and have anything that even resembles a uh, question mark or something negative to say, uh, go play, go bowl. I don't care, but just don't be a golfer because I don't want you part of our uh, little fraternity.
1: Obviously, I played Southern Hills a lot during college, and so I noticed some changes, but the thing that never changes, T-Dub, about Southern Hills is every single blade of grass on that property is just immaculate, and, and even the new bunkers are immaculate, everything about the place is top-notch, and thank you to Kerry Cosby, and, and obviously Tom Jones, who is the head of the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame, and, and, uh, and Nick Sidorkas, and everybody that was out there and, and helped put on that tournament T-dub, it, it, it was just a great day, and, and it was one I'll remember for a long time.
2: Yeah, I've heard from numerous people already how great of a tournament it was, and I expect nothing nothing less from Southern Hills. And and he's absolutely right. It's one of the the golf meccas of this country and probably the golfing world. So, yeah, if you don't like that place, just go on and go pick up another sport. But, uh, Sam, I think you're kind of diluting what what may be the headline of the story here. I heard you played some pretty damn good golf, (laughs) and and from a very
1: reliable source, maybe the best golf you've ever played. (laughs) I I did uh, have my game rolling yesterday, t Dub. Now, I, I was playing two tees up from what I would normally play. I was playing the green tees out there. It goes, you know, the, the tips and then the blues, and then we were playing the green tees. So, it, it was a little bit shorter golf course, which definitely helps me out. But, T-Dub, I was hitting the irons really nice yesterday, and I was rolling the rock, Woody. It, it was one of those days where, you know, golf just seemed kind of easy, and I and I and I don't know why. It just happens every once in a while.
0: I think you guys got to remember, I love listening to when you guys talk about golf, because I guess I've been there and done it. And I think you guys are going to find when you will play your best golf is when you're enjoying your golf. When you guys get a little stressed about your golf or you worry about your golf, I had a friend of mine who used to always tell me, say, what do you, if you're worried about it, that means you're worried about it which sounds like a really stupid statement, but it's pretty profound when you get right down to it. I think that's what you find, Sam. Sam, sometimes you go out, I don't think you realize how talented you really are, and same with T-Dub. I watched him swing the golf club not too long ago. I don't think you guys understand how really good you are. I think sometimes you have a little bit too high expectations of what you think you can do. But other than that, you all are very, very talented. And I would just say to you every time you play golf, do me one favor just stay out of your own way. And you'd be amazed how good you guys would play every time.
1: Well, Woody, I, I think that uh, the, the head pro, Kerry Cosby, after the round, he goes, well, you at least need to try to play in the state AM. And I and I promised Kerry Cosby that, you know, I would play in the state AM, but he gave me some really good advice. He said, you don't want to wake up one day when you're 40 and think, well, you know, I should have played more golf in my 20s and 30s, you know. And so I, I think I might, you know, practice a little bit and put a couple tournaments on my schedule <laughs> just after yesterday, Woody. It, it just – one of those deals where, you know, you play competitive golf for so long, and I think for a while I was burnt out on it, but now, like you said, I can go enjoy golf and not have those expectations that I used to have, and, you know, it, some days you go out there and you make, you know, six or seven birdies on your first nine, like I did yesterday, and it's one of those days you're like, why did I ever quit playing in the first place, you know, Woody, do do you ever feel like that, like golf is just kind of easy?
0: Well, and there were there were days that golf was easy. And 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 I think anybody who plays golf will have those days and that's what keeps us coming back. I find it I kinda get tickled when you say you were you played so much competitive golf that you kinda felt burned out. Well try being sixty five years old how much competitive <laughs> golf right. I played and my You lifetime. played on the PGA tour too. Or a or, or a Scott Verplank or a Bob Twain, all those guys are replaying on our show. What you'd find what I would say this to you guys, both of you, because you're young, and a lot of our listeners that are young and out there and want to be competitive and play golf, do it. Please do it. But, but also be aware that they're not always going to be good days. You're going to have your ups and downs, and that's why golf is such a great sport. But remember this. I've told you guys that story. When I decided I'd had enough, and everybody would tell you when, they, when you're, you're done, you're done, when I went to a, a, a major and I was seeing off on the first tee and had no butterflies, I know I told you that story. That told me I'm done. Because if I'm not nervous, then that means I didn't care. And if you don't care, then you don't want to be even out there playing. So there's a fine line that we talk about where you got to just relax and have fun, but you still got to give enough credit in there that you're trying to compete and you wanting to win. So again, I think, if you don't play competitive golf, you're cheating yourself, for one thing, because if you're especially at the level you guys are at, and a lot of our listeners are at, if you don't test yourself, it's like a fighter pilot doing nothing but train, train, train. You know, if you, if you talk to a fighter pilot, which I've had the joy of doing a number of times, they can't wait for a war. And you guys would look at them and go, what? You want a war? And you go, yeah, I'm tired of training. I want to know what I can do under fire. Well, professional athletes, we're not talking about going to war, but you get the gist of that. If all you do is practice and play with your buddies and you never really go and play a golf tournament, then you don't really know if you're ready. Right.
2: Well, you're a hundred percent right. Truly are. Because at the end of the day, if you're, if you're talented at something and you don't live up to what you fully believe your potential is, you're always going to regret it. You always will. And you'll, whether it's not being able to sleep at night, whether it's just sitting around doing whatever you do at your regular job and you just kind of get this weird feeling in your stomach of disappointment. I mean, it's going to be it until you give it your full go. So, Woody, you're 100% yeah. right, and uh, I, I fully believe in, in what you said, and it looks like you're, you motivated, Sam, you might have even motivated me. I probably played more more golf this past summer than I played in the last probably eight years, so I mean I think that hopefully we're on the right track to maybe figuring something out, and uh, but one thing I want to ask, uh, want to ask you guys before we get done, because Sam played so well yesterday, I remember at the hashtag NLZ scramble, uh, you two were kind of working on some different swing fundamentals, so I want to ask you, Sam, was, was Woody's secret sauce the reason you started playing so good with your irons?
1: Well, I hate to break it to Woody, but I just wasn't thinking at all i was just kind of looking at the target and swinging yesterday woody so i apologize for you know not trying the new stuff i'll probably have to put that into uh into practice a little bit more before i go try it especially at southern hills
0: <laughs> well do me a favor yes i would really want you to practice before you try and what we were working on you need to spend a little bit of time at it for sure and, now i will say something i will say this to you guys too I've always been a guy that I would rather try and fail than never try. Right. And a lot of people 100%. look at me when I, or a lot of people look at me when I say a statement like that, and they kind of go, "What?" And I go, "Yeah." At least I tried. If they, you know, when I tried, when I decided I was going to try to get on the PGA tour, I had a lot of people tell me I was crazy. And that I didn't have any, I had no business trying that. I didn't have the talent. I didn't have any of that going for me. There's no way I could play on the PGA Tour. Well, I mean, you know, I, I use that as fuel, which a lot of people do when they're athletes. So I'd much rather you guys go out and try. And if you don't, and you know, if you don't win the state amateur, it's not the end of the world. If you do, I'm going to be proud of Punchup and I'll brag on you like a big dog but I'd rather you go try and fail than just say, well, yeah, I I used to play pretty good golf. "Eh, No, 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 no. Get out there and do
1: it. Woody, one thing that I wanted to say real quick about T-Dub mentioning the swing changes and stuff like that is, you know, I I used to hear Tiger say a lot, you know, right now I I just don't have my feels. And what he's talking about is he's thinking about swing thoughts uh, more than he normally would during his swing. And um, I feel like sometimes when you just go and and I feel like a lot of people don't practice enough and, and they'll go out on the golf course and kind of play golf swing and not golf. I think that there's something to be said for, you know, being aware of yourself, knowing that you haven't practiced at all and just kind of going out there and just playing golf. Right. You know, I feel like uh, that might help a lot of our amateurs, obviously when when you have the time to practice those things like Woody and I work on are are really good however you know if you're playing golf once a month you know like I've been you know you probably just need to go out to the golf course and just play golf and not golf swing
0: well and that's that's huge what you just said and and our listeners which I think I I like to help our listeners to play better golf I like them I like them listening to get the golf news that we give them, but I I hope we help them in a lot of ways. Sam, the, the most difficult thing to do when you're an amateur golfer, because you don't have time to practice, you don't have time to work on things, is to be able to have a free mind when you go to the golf course. And you are exactly right. A free mind will help you to make a free swing, which those two things – Well, you'll be surprised how much better you will play if you don't have multiple thoughts going on. Most people can't think of a bunch of things while they're swinging a golf club. It, It takes almost a completely free mind to be good at golf.
1: No, you're exactly right. It definitely takes a free mind to be good at golf, Woody. Uh, we buried the lead a little bit. I wasn't expecting to talk about my golf game, guys. But let's talk about the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame, Woody, and tell us what it means to not only you but the golf landscape in Oklahoma. And and talk a little bit about you know Nick Sidorkas and, and Kerry Cosby at Southern Hills as well. I do have to tell a quick story, real quick. Yesterday, I was eating lunch, and Nick Sidorkas, the head GM at Southern Hills, comes up and is talking to us and I have finished eating my lunch and the GM at Southern Hills guys picks up my plate and takes it to the counter there. And it just shows how, you know, even at a place like Southern Hills, they are so hyper aware of the importance of service. And, and, and that just spoke volumes to me that even the head guy out at Southern Hills is doing the little things like that. Um, and it just, they do everything top-notch at Southern Hills. So talk a little bit about Southern Hills and the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame, Woody.
0: Well, what you say is so spot on. Anytime you go to the best facility, no matter what they are, not just golf courses, what you find is people that are really focused on service, that they want to take care of whoever's at their first place and make sure they have the time of their life. When I was first getting into golf business, I had one golf pro tell me that a, a country club, which I was always seeing to work at country clubs, he said they're like a camp
3: for kids.
0: You know what I mean? He said that's what they were want those adults. It was like when they were going to camp. They want our day to be the best day in the world and had the most fun they've ever had and can't wait to come back. Well, it sounded kind of stupid at the time, but I thought, oh, you know, that makes a lot of sense have a good time. Well, when you look at Kerry Cosby, you look at Nick Sidorkas, you look at just all those people up there. It doesn't shock me that he picked your plate up, Sam and took it over to the counter. He, he, he'll do
2: anything he can
0: to make sure everything is right, and that's what they do at Southern Hill. I don't get there enough. I always regret it because every time I go, I think just what you just said. That level of, of people and how hard they work is amazing. Just like we talked about with the Hall of Fame now, I've noticed a big change in the last four or five years of how important that is becoming and how much of a better product we're putting out there now. Well, guess what? It was because Everett Dobson got involved with it. Everett Dobson, I've known him since I was kids. kid. He doesn't do anything what I call halfway. If he's involved, it's going to be hop notch all the way. And then we were lucky enough to get Tom Jones pulled into it, Kim McLeod pulled into it. We got people now that are involved in the golf hall of fame, which, guys, think about how many great golfers we've had out of the state of Oklahoma. And not to have a first-class golf hall of fame, well, that was a, that was, that was a travesty. So again, kudos to all these people. I find something that's very much in common. Find something that is first class. You find first class people that are involved in it. Always remember that guys. Everything we do is podcast. If we're never first class, shame on us. Okay everything we need to do needs to be the best we can possibly do it, or please
2: don't do it then. I I couldn't agree more with you. I I think that we all got to do everything at an excellent standard. And I I wasn't at this year's uh, dinner, but I was at last year's when I was at Oklahoma City Golf and Country Club, and it was – Top notch, great A, like you said, everything just spot on to a T. Is one of the best events I've ever been to, and I expected the same this year at, at Southern Hills. So yeah, I'm I'm extremely excited for really the future of it too, because Oklahoma Golf has such a great tradition and a great great foundation really of, of what the principles I believe golf are built on. So I, I think it's one of the best places for golf in general. And I think the state's hall of fame should represent that same. And I believe that just as what he said over the past few years has kept growing. And I can't, I can't wait to see what it is in the next five to 10, even even 15, 20 years.
1: I totally agree with that guys. You guys are spot on with everything you guys just said. Uh, Woody, I do have one question. Now you mentioned all the great players and people in the game of golf from Oklahoma, I mean, obviously you were one of them, but if you had to choose one person, you know, that might not be in the Oklahoma golf hall of fame yet, that definitely deserves it. Who, who would you go with? And, and I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe one from Oklahoma city, one from Tulsa. Oh
0: God, I, you know, I'd have to have the list sitting in front of me, say,ing to be honest with you, because. I don't want to sound like I'm completely stupid, but I am when it comes to who all is in the Hall of Fame. I, I have just gotten involved in it here recently. Like I said, when Everett got involved in it. So I know the past few classes of how, how strong they've been. I think what you got to remember when you talk about the Golf Hall of Fame, I think a lot of people think right off the bat, the touring pros that we've had out of the state. Whereas, yes, I think they're important. Please don't get me wrong. But at some point, I think you've got to look. Me personally, I think you've got to look at the Terry Cosby of what he's done for the game of golf, okay, and what he's been able to do as a professional in the golf shop or as a PGA professional. I think those guys are just as important sometimes as the course designers and the people that play golf for a living. I I don't know exactly the criteria they use, Sam, Uh but I think in the future, I hope they kind of broaden their scope and we look at those kinds of individuals that do things that improve the game of golf and improve where we are as golfers, even a sportscaster, even a guy that does podcasts, if we're promoting the game of golf and we're making golf a better game, which we always say we want to do, then that needs to be part of that criteria too. That's just, I, again, I kind of hee-hawed around that question because I don't have it. I don't have an answer to who's there. But you could see where I'd be going if I did have one of those things. If I could pick somebody, that's where I'd go.
1: No, you went the direction that I was I was thinking you would go there, Woody. I, I just wanted to kind of expand on that and let people know there's more people in the game of golf in Oklahoma than just the touring pros. And I do want to circle back one more time uh, to something that Woody said before we get off of this subject and that's everett dobson woody um we did see yesterday that uh the everett dobson award was given out and and the scholarship was given out uh to a woman golfer i can't remember her name right now but she plays golf at obu um and i think is even an assistant coach now but speak a little bit about the everett dobson award and how cool that is as well woody
0: well, again, I I think one of the greatest things I've had in my life as far as getting involved in golf was is, is my friendship with Everett. Everett has been so successful as a businessman and so successful in everything he has done. To think that he lets me tag along with him a little bit now and then, whether it be hunting or, or playing golf, I, I feel honored just to be able to do it. Uh, I do know one thing. He loves, he has a passion for golf okay, more than people really know. And that's how we got to be good friends is through golf. So when you think of his name on a scholarship, I'm almost envious. I wish I could have been younger where I could have been one of those guys that won that scholarship with his name on it had been a great honor. So it it, just screams to me that if you have the right people in the right places doing the right things, we can work miracles in all kinds of things as far as making golf a better game. The Golf Hall of Fame and the people around Oklahoma, are, we're really blessed to have a guy like Everett Dobson that wants to get involved and do the right thing. And uh, I, I thank him every day I see him, and not only for what he's done for golf, but what he does up at Oak Tree National for us, Sam, that we get to play a, a phenomenal golf course that, that he owns and takes care of it like it's, like it's his own because it is.
1: T-Dub, and the (laughs) last thing I'll say about the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame shamble, uh, T-Dub, is having those professionals out there made it it made it feel big time yesterday, T-Dub. The Michael Gellermans of the world, the Josh Creels of the world, the Ryan Gibsons of the world, for them to take their time and the Cameron Myers of the world, who I played with, my professional and my team, it, it, was, it, it just made it feel big time and it made it feel like a special day that those pros would take the time out of their schedule um, to go play in this type of golf tournament for their home state.
2: Well, I mean, you, you just think about what makes it a great golf tournament. It's the golf course and the golf players that that are playing in it. So you had Southern Hills, the best golf course in the state, and arguably one of the best golf courses in the country, along with some of the best players in in the country. I mean, it just adds up a recipe for success, and that's what the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame deserves, With like I mentioned earlier, with all the prestige – and everything that's going on. So you're absolutely right, Sam. It's great that, that the players will take their time to, to go out and do that, and it, it's for it's for a great cause. And I think it, it, what the thing that people don't realize is what it represents and the foundation and the roots of golf that are there. It, it, it's just so impactful, and I just love hearing stories like that, Sam. And you were mentioning earlier the, uh, the Everett Dobson Award. The winner was uh, Kaylee Peterson. She's a graduate uh, golf assistant at Northeastern uh, State up in Tahlequah. So congratulations to her. That's awesome.
1: Absolutely, T. Dub. Congratulations to her. And, T. Dub, we had Maggie Roller go up and speak about her former coach at TU, Dale McNamara, who passed away over this past weekend. And, Woody, I know you know a little bit more about Dale McNamara than I do, but I definitely have heard the legendary stories of her teams back in the day. They were a powerhouse at TU back in the day. Just talk a little bit about Dale McNamara and what she meant to the golf landscape in Oklahoma.
0: Well, you got to remember when, when she was really doing her storming through the the ladies golf,
1: as we know it,
0: it wasn't near as big as it is now. Um, you know, golf channel has changed college golf in such a huge way she was there when I was at Oklahoma State back in the 70s Is when she was taking the ring of that, that program. The people that she was able to bring in to Tulsa is still mind-boggling. How about Nancy Lopez? Unbelievable. <laughs> a lot, of people, a lot of people don't know that. People, they don't know that. A lot of people have no idea that Nancy Lopez played her college golf in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that was because of Dale McMahon. She she was so far ahead of the curve. She was a lot like Holder was, believe it or not, guys. Uh, she was so much further o- ahead of the curve than most other people about how to raise money, how to recruit, how to how to make golfers better. Uh, the the two of them could have been brothers and sisters from that standpoint. They're both bulldogs. They both were just mean and grinders and hated to lose. And that's why she built such an astounding program at Tulsa. That's a big loss for us, you know, and and we all know we're all going to live. We're all going to die. But I just hate it when we lose people like that because she was such a founder and a founding kind of monarch of ladies
2: golf. And and they don't really realize how much they're going to miss her. I promise you. I mean, guys, I mean, just the record that she had at TU was truly remarkable. She coached there. Twenty-six years, twenty-two of those she played, and her teams played in the national championship, won four national titles, five times runner-up. Guys in twenty-six years, she won eighty-one tournaments with more than thirty second-place finishes. It's it, that's unbelievable. That is the definition of an absolute powerhouse. She coached twenty-eight first or second-team All-Americans, twenty-eight. So that's more than one a year as a coach that she had a first or second-team All-American truly unbelievable sam and and that's just that's a record that's going to be very hard to
1: compete with and in any time in the near future that's truly remarkable stuff truly remarkable stuff guys let's go ahead and take a break let's hear from mccray roofing during this break uh but before we do that woody please tell us about our friends at quail creek bank i think you're playing golf with them today
0: yeah this is two days in a row i'm playing golf somebody write that down um I'm playing at the Mercy, uh, hospital golf tournament today at Galardia. I got another beautiful day to play golf. At least I got lucky with that. The, the owner of Quail Creek Bank, Mike, Mark Davenport is one of my members of my team today. So it, I'm always seem like I'm around these guys. That's why we're, they're one of our sponsors. And that's why I love them so much because I do spend a lot of time with the people from Quail Creek Bank. And, and probably the reason I do is why we keep saying it over and over again on these commercials. How friendly, how nice, how good, how professional. Everything about that bank is all the above. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Please, if you're looking for a new bank, contact Quail Creek Bank,
1: located right there, 122nd of May Avenue. Uh, give them a call. I, I love that bank, and I love what they do. What do. you go hit them straight today. I hope you're not as sore as I am. I'm sore. I can tell you that. I promise you that. But I'm going to go give him a hell. Woody, Woody, off the air, we were talking about, you know, being in golf shape. Talk a little bit about that before you leave us here. Well, what was
0: funny is, Sam, you and I both were on the phone before we started the podcast, and you were saying, man, I'm sore. And I said, I am too. And I said, what's crazy is I I do a lot of physical activities now. That I'm not as sore as I am when I play golf. And I always laugh that they always talk about golfers aren't real athletes. Well, I'm starting to believe they really are, uh, because swinging a golf club, you're using a lot of different muscles that if you don't use them uh, on a pretty frequent basis, you're going to hurt. And I never dreamed that would be possible. I never thought that playing golf would make me hurt but it does i i hate to tell you guys i get up so early in the morning now and i've got to put on icy hot i've got to put on kinetic tape <laughs> i gotta put patches on my body i've got to take advil um i've not got my medical marijuana yet but i'm considering it so <laughs> i can get some some kind of marijuana on my body i i'm i'm trying everything i can But I think the bottom line is, is I'm old. You guys tell me I'm old. I don't think I'm old, but I I act like I'm not old, but I'm old. So again, if you're hurting out there,
1: you got to spend more time swinging a golf club because those muscles will hurt if you don't use them. That was Jim Weedward. I mean, Jim Woodward of Oak Tree National (laughs) on the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast of golf, Oklahoma.
4: When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000.
1: We are back rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Definitely go to GolfOklahoma.org right now. Kim McLeod doing some great stories, not only on Dale McNamara that you can read right there on the front page of our Golf Oklahoma website, but you can also read the story on Preston Albee of Choctaw, Oklahoma, winning the Red River Challenge over Ryder Cowan, who we have had on the podcast in the past. I remember, obviously, I went down to Ardmore and covered him in the 3A state championship. he's going to OU next year, and... Uh, Preston Alby T-Dub, gets it done in a playoff over Ryder Cowan. They both shot two under for two rounds. Uh, Preston shot 68-70. Ryder shot 67-71. And uh, T-Dub, tell us a little bit about that playoff because I can't imagine many tournaments having more pressure uh, in it than a playoff to win the individual championship at the Red River Challenge, which is Oklahoma versus Texas. Two Oklahoma boys battling it out right there.
2: No, the, the amount of pressure that had to be on that is, is insurmountable. And Ryder, Ryder, Cal and Preston be kind of separated themselves from the field. They end up clearing third place by three shots. So There's a little bit of a two-horse race. Preston ended up making a 10-foot birdie putt on the second hole. So, I mean, Ryder, as you said, we've had him on the show, one of the greatest kids you'll ever meet. So I was definitely rooting for him, but it's great to just see another Oklahoma kid win up there. And one of the most impressive things, Sam, is I, I scrolled down here and out of the everyone who finished in the top six, five of them were from Oklahoma. I, I know back at least when I played, there was a decent mix of, of Texas players who were up there. And Oklahoma was, even though we had so many great players, they didn't seem to be as dominant as they are now in this tournament. So that's really something... Uh, Austin awesome to see, and also want to shout out uh, the uh, Adrian On, who won on the ladies side. She's from Dallas, Texas. Shot three over, so those are some pretty impressive scores, Sam. Considering it's not the toughest driving course as it used to be, but the greens out there are treacherous. And I can't remember if it's Saturday or Sunday, but one of the days I remember it's really cold and really windy. So that uh, makes that course even more, and especially around those greens, more brutal. So it's just great to see the the state of the uh, junior golf uh, around this area.
1: No, I mean, there's no one better than Maury Rose and the TJGT. Maury obviously doing the OJGT. T-Dub, that was one of my favorite tournaments to play in as a kid because you looked forward to it all year. You you gained points. It was like the the FedEx Cup for junior golf in Oklahoma and for two Oklahoma boys because the Oklahoma boys – used to struggle a little bit against the Texas boys. Obviously, if you remember names like Jordan Spieth, right, were on the Texas team back <laughs> yeah. in the day. They were pretty decent. Scotty Scheffler was on the Texas team back in the day. Um, obviously, Adrian Ahn from Dallas, Texas, gets the win on the girls' side. But to have two boys from Oklahoma uh, in a playoff to win the Red River, that is just big time. And I think it says a lot for junior golf in Oklahoma, t
2: it, it absolutely and, – and just the, what you said about Maury Rose. I mean, we, we were talking earlier – Sam about people who should be inducted into the Oklahoma golf hall of fame. And I I try to find a list and the list I find found, I don't know if it's complete or not, but I did not see Maury's name on there. So I don't know if he's in or not. And he would be at the top of my list of people who should be inducted in the Hall of Fame. what he's done for junior golf and making this tournament as prestigious as it was. I believe he started the tour, what 2002 or 2001 somewhere around that time. So it's been about two decades worth. And just to see the growth uh, of golf around this area is just truly, truly spectacular and you're exactly right Sam with what you talked about earlier with just the hype for this tournament in the the year was basically like the true championship I think I played in the Red River three maybe four times how many years did you play in it
1: man, I don't even know. I played in it pretty much every year from the time that I was 11 until I was, what, 17, T-Dub? And, uh, yeah, I was going to say,
2: probably six or seven, honestly. Yeah,
1: probably six or seven years right there, T-Dub. And and I do also want to shout out the other guys in the top five here. You had Rhett Hughes from Edmond, Grant Gudgel from Stillwater. Grant Gudgel, obviously going to Oklahoma State, plays his golf uh, at Stillwater High School. And then Parker Sands from Edmond as well. You had the top Top five guys all from Oklahoma, T-Dub. Not just the two guys in the playoffs. It's big-time golf here in the state of Oklahoma. And the greatest thing about it, Sam, I I don't think it's slowing
2: down at any point. I think it's just going to keep growing at at this point. It's not... It's not something you look at and say, okay, well, oh, junior golf in Oklahoma has peaked. And, and there's no one who's saying that right now. It, it, it's going to keep going. It's going to be better and better. It's going to be better for the, for the two state schools, for OU and OSU. I mean, I know Ryder's going to OU. I think Grant Gudgel's committed to, to Oklahoma State. I can't remember where the other kids are committed at, at this point, but I know they're all going to very very lucrative schools. So, yeah, it, it's it's just great. It's a great thing to see. And uh, in all honesty, Sam, we played against some really good players in our day, but I wouldn't want to play against these kids right now because they are all some pretty decent studs.
1: No, you're exactly right. And I think that the high school golf landscape has changed a little bit. I think it's a little more... Um, I don't know, competitive across the board than it used to be. It's not just a bunch of guys from one school like Edmund North or stuff like that. You still have Parker Sands from Edmund North. You know what I mean? But it's you you got guys like Preston Albee from Choctaw and Ryder Cowan who goes to OCS and Rhett Hughes from Edmund and Grant Gudgel from Stillwater. There's guys all across the state of Oklahoma playing great golf right now in the state of Oklahoma. t do you agree with me on that?
2: Oh 100%. I, I think what it is, it's very similar to kind of what you've seen in in college golf. It's just the facilities get so much better and these kids have access to the technology, to the trackmans. you know, they can be fitted when they're 13, 14 years old and then they can just get get new clubs every single year, get fitted and and some people aren't able to do that, but a lot of people are and it just it the resources there ha- have made it so much I, I don't want to say easier, but it's made it it's made it easier to ex- ex- to access the talent and potential that you have is probably the way that I would like to phrase it because you know so many people back, back at least when we played Sam you know you you would just go to the store and buy a driver off the rack you know or at least even when I was younger that, that is what most people did towards when I got into college is when fitting became really really pertinent and, and now it, it's just it's just so much good thing and then the, the, the grasses the courses that these kids get to play the competition as you mentioned earlier getting to play against other kids in the OJGT um, every single week in the summer it, it just it makes you want to be better because Sam, if you don't get better, you're going to get beat. And that's one of the most beautiful things about it is that it's the competition that breeds off of the OJGT that makes it uh, so beautiful.
1: No doubt about it. And obviously, we mentioned Adrian Ahn, who won on the girls' side. Uh, But I also want to mention Darcy Wright from the Woodlands, uh, who finished second. Kinsley Jones, Meg Tilma. Those girls are both from Kansas, from Wichita, Kansas. I would assume that they play on the OJGT. You had Jordan Arts from Trophy Club, Texas, rounding out the top five. And I also want to give uh, the low Oklahoma girl, Lucy Dar, a shout-out. She finished seventh uh in the red river challenge t-dub just a great event and, and one of those you'll remember for a lifetime even though those kids probably don't realize it right now
2: oh it's like you and for the most thing too is that this is the close to most everyone's junior career right like i never played a junior tournament after the red river i mean you're not gonna very few very hard to find tournaments november and december you may be able to go south And find something you want. But that was the end of my season. (laughs) That's that's,
0: that's a very good point.
2: point. (laughs) That's a good point. I mean, at this this point, if you want to play, you can probably play anywhere you want, which is also to the accessibility, as as I mentioned to you earlier. So, yeah, beautiful thing to see. Every every kid's going to remember this tournament. And. I think the restoration of Dornick is going to make this tournament even more prestigious because I think it brings Dornick back to the roots of what Perry Maxwell wanted to build. And so that just goes even more to the foundation of what I was talking about earlier about Oklahoma golf. And it's just been, uh, like I said, a beautiful thing to see. It's like you plant a tree and you just see how beautiful it becomes uh, after years and years. And I feel like that's what I'm seeing uh, with the OJDT and in particular the Red River Tournament.
1: Yeah, and T-Dub, speaking of that Oklahoma victory, we are now joined by the head of the Oklahoma Junior Golf Tour, Maury Rose. And Maury, we just talked all about the Red River and how much not only it meant to us, but how great the play was down at Dornick Hills. And Maury, you had five boys in the top five, all from Oklahoma. I can't remember that ever happening, Maury. That was unbelievable play, uh, especially on the boys' side from Oklahoma. And Oklahoma gets another their victory. Just tell us a little bit about the experience down there at Dornick Hills this past week. And you guys know, because you you both played it,
3: uh, it's a great experience every time. Uh, Dornick Hills, the membership and everything there has been so gracious to us. This was the 18th year of it, believe it or not. But uh, it was rainy on Friday. Uh, Virtually none of the kids really got a good practice round because of the heavy rain we got all day down there. But uh, Saturday, it was still wet, uh, but the golf course is a beautiful shape, and I mean, the kids played great.
2: Maury, how have you noticed the, uh, since the Tom Doak restoration down there at Dorning, how have you noticed the, the course changed place over the course, f- first 15 or 16 years, the tournament was there when it was, it was, uh, how it was originally designed. Now, since the restoration, how have you noticed it played differently?
3: Uh, it really, it, it was. I was fortunate enough to play at Oklahoma Open years ago when it was like it, it was before they did. You know, several minor restorations, and then they've gone back to that same look, and I like it, and I think it's going to be great through the you know through the through the years as it grows and matures and gets back like it was. That is a historic golf course, and history is a big deal to me. And I know that I think, and you guys, like you agree. Looking back at your childhood, going there and uh, seeing the and playing the very first golf course that Craig Maxwell
1: ever designed is a history thing to me. And I think it is with the kids. That's why they love going there. Absolutely, Maury. And obviously, we mentioned Adrian on on the girls' side who got the win from Dallas, Texas. Uh, but Maury, I am looking here in the top five. There's two girls from Wichita, Kansas, who I said I, I would assume that they play on the Oklahoma Junior Golf Tour. Am I right about that? And Kinsley Jones now, and Meg Tilma? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Talk I'll a little know, bit about as, their game and, and what they meant to the victory there for, for Team Oklahoma. Uh, well, I mean, they played
3: with us for several years and still do periodically. And, uh, and, and, and they're wonderful people, wonderful kids. You know, to a degree, whether they play with, for us or whether they play for, for Texas, uh, sometimes things happen that they have to do that. Uh, but our girls and them know each other. And uh, it's a great uh, uh, get-together a lot of them, because they've all grown up playing there. Kensley Jones is uh, Greer Jones, the coach at Wichita State. She he is his granddaughter. Wow, and, uh, yes. And played with them for years. And, and, and so, you know, we all look forward to seeing each other, uh, because golf is a bigger game than one tournament. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a statewide game. It's a regional game. And uh, these kids have great experience down there. You all did.
2: Oh, there's absolutely no doubt about that more and that's great to see uh, a relative of Greer Jones playing on the OJGT Greer one of the best uh, college coaches probably of, of all time so it's great to see them coming down to Oklahoma and play. Maury I want to ask you about the uh, the playoff that occurred in, in, oh. in the boys flight and just uh, between Preston Alby and Ryder Callen Preston uh, from reading an article in Golf Oklahoma made a 10-foot birdie putt on on the second hole they played so just kind of tell us about that playoff and all the excitement around it.
3: Uh, you know, of course, I was, you guys know how that goes. I, we were all sitting around back 18 because the playoff went from 10 back to 18. And then uh, if it was going to go further, go back to 10 and back to 18. So it would, it would be, you know, through the playoff, and, you know, some uh, near proximity to the golf, the golf shop. And uh, so all the kids hung around on that back, you know, how that back, plateau, you kind know, of looked down on the green on 18. And when everybody saw that it was going to go to... Uh, uh, the second hole uh, you know the crowd grew around that hole and that, that was so much fun uh, anyway um, the first hole I didn't see watching play number 10 because they tied and they tied with cars we thought the playoff was over because the, the parents and everybody were coming up number 18 we thought it was over and uh, they were just out there waiting for the tee shot coming up number 18 and uh, once the crowd and, uh I think the first person to hit into the green uh, was uh, Preston. And he knocked it about 10 feet on that front plateau. And then, uh, and then Ryder hit and he hit it about 15 feet. So it was basically going to be a cutoff uh, should both of them or even or one of them make it. And uh, the first one that thought was Ryder. And I'm telling you, I thought his butt was dead center and it had lost speed wasn't right off the right edge. And uh, he marked it, and then, and then uh, Preston got up and knocked his 10-footer right dead in the middle of the hole. And that was it. That is big. It was exciting.
1: That is big time there, Maury. And talk a little bit more about Preston Alby. Obviously, I've covered Ryder Cowan quite a bit going to uh-huh. Oklahoma. Talk a little bit about not only Preston Albee's game, but what schools he might be looking to go into. Yeah, I have no idea. You know, he's just a sophomore.
3: And okay. it was interesting because we were looking for a really good picture of him uh, uh, to send the golf off from the magazine hold him the trophy or get some trophy or whatever. And uh, as I was talking, as I was trying to get hold of Preston, I called and called and he wouldn't, he didn't return the call. And he called me and he goes, I'm sorry, it took me so too long, I was at basketball practice. Wow. <laughs> so so I, he plays basketball, I guess, for Choctaw High School, in addition to golf. Uh, but a really good athlete, comes from uh, from really good athletic family. Uh, he's a great player, obviously. I, I know that after winning this tournament, he's going to get a lot of, a lot of potential, a lot of look.
1: Absolutely, he is. Oh. Hey, Maury, thank you so much for joining the 73rd Hole Podcast today, and congratulations on the win. What's the record between Team Oklahoma and Team Texas now? Because I remember back in the day, Team Texas was, you know, they were a powerhouse back in the day, and we had some good uh-huh. players, but, man, you got some really solid players nowadays in Oklahoma, uh, especially yeah. to be able to beat Texas.
3: You know, real quick, there's a kid named Angley Stanford
1: who's 12,
3: and he just shot 75, 76. Wow. And there's others like Chase Hughes and some other girls that are really strong uh, that are young ones coming up, so it's just we're just going to keep reloading. But uh, I'm very proud of them all.
1: Absolutely. And, and what was that record, Maury?
3: I, guys, I don't know the exact record. I do know that Texas has probably beaten us more in, in, in the whole run. Recently, we've been doing pretty well. And and you know what? We're just going to keep having that great tournament between the two states. I love it. And and it, and it and it's it's just because it's so good for the kids, and the families all all enjoy going. And uh, we're just going to try to keep getting better.
1: Absolutely, Maury. Thank you so much. That's legend in the state of Oklahoma, Maury Rose, head of the Oklahoma Junior Golf Tour. Maury, have a great day. Okay. Hey, miss you guys. Miss Thank you, you, Maury. Miss for all you all too, you Maury. Do. Absolutely. All Thank right, you. we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. T-Dub, so Team Oklahoma gets the win over Team Texas. And speaking of team events, T-Dub, the four aces win the team championship down at Doral. They shoot seven under in the finals and beat Team Punch, Cam Smith's team, by one shot. T-Dub, this was one of the most electric things I've watched and ever I loved the fact that there was no individual aspect to it. And it. it I love the fact that it was stroke play. I love the fact they put four teams. I love the fact we saw some match play and some alternate shot in the first two rounds. I loved everything about this format. And if you are a golf fan, take the politics out of it for two seconds and look at the product this past week. You can find it on YouTube. Go look at the highlights even. It was big-time stuff down at Doral for the Live Team Championship, T-Dub.
2: Well, anyone who's listened to our show throughout the course of this year in particular knows that at, at every Live event, we've been very, very proud of the product that we've seen. We've thought, oh, man, this is really good. I mean, this is good golf. I don't see what what's really wrong with what I'm watching here. I think this is great. There's no commercials. The format, they're playing great golf courses. There's a lot of really good players. I mean, this is great. and. I think this was by far, Sam, my favorite live event I've watched all year. It was absolutely awesome. the The first couple of days, the Cam Smith Phil Mickelson match on Friday was just beautiful thing to watch. Cam ends up and the last hole number eight for them to for for him to to beat Phil. It was an absolutely stellar match. And then on Sunday to come down the stretch, Cam Smith shooting seven under, one of the best rounds I've seen all year on that golf course. They set that course up so brutally hard, almost as tough as you could, tucking almost every single pin there down at Durrell. The next best score was four under Jason Kokrat, who smashed, who they did have a lead for a decent while, but, but Kepka and, and Yulein and, uh, and both Kepkas actually started to kind of fall down a little bit. But Sam, the four aces, as most of us kind of thought would happen, they ended up prevailing in the team championship. But the biggest surprise, I think, was, was Pat Perez Shooting a two-under, there was two-under, 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 one-under were the four scores that the four aces took. So I think that showed that the, uh, the depth of, of the four aces is what really helped them prevail in this tournament
1: yeah I don't think a lot of people were expecting Pat Perez uh, to shoot the lowest score on his team right and uh, we have mal Baker the caddy for Taylor gooch uh dunk on somebody on twitter and and he had the time uh yesterday because he went to Twitter and he found a tweet that said. Besides Cam Smith, the golf was actually not very good, was expecting much better team scores and quality of golf. And Mal Baker goes on Twitter and says, no disrespect intended, Cliff, but you have no idea what you were talking about. You don't know how demanding the blue monster is. Anything under par was absolutely outstanding, T-Dub. And I totally agree with him. I mean, to pick that place for a team event, they weren't just going to some place where they knew the guys were going to make a lot of birdies. That's one thing that I have respected about Liv is they've gone to not only Doral, but certain places that are so hard. And, and you know, especially the courses like Rich Harvest Farms, T-Dub. The golf was so good to me. The level of play was so high and the course was really, really hard. And, and the four aces... Came out on top and they played the best golf on Sunday. I feel like
2: whoever tweeted on Mal Baker never watched Derral when it was on the PGA Tour. Like, they think, is it a pitch and putt or what? Like, anyone who ever watched that tournament, it's one of the hardest courses they ever played on the PGA Tour, especially on a regular basis. It, it, that, that's just a, a stupid thing to say. Like I said, Cam Smith's round of seven-under just shows how, how great of, it was. And when it, you only have 16 players playing uh, for whenever that, it's the only time that there's stroke play. It's kind of hard to have a lot of people Go under par. So if if at these live events, if they played easy courses and they all shot 28 under par, that's what everyone would say. Oh, they're playing pitch and putts. But now when they play actually good, tough golf courses that are demanding of the shots and skill that you need to have, they want to critique it? No, no, I, I don't believe that. At all. And looking at, at I keep talking about Cam Smith 7 under, and most people who didn't watch are probably thinking, how the hell do you shoot 7 under and, and you guys not win? Well, that's because uh, not, every other score that Matt Jones shot 2 under, which was solid, but Mark Leishman shot 2 over, Wade Ormsby shot 1 over, a- and Leishman, give him credit, he was 4 over through, uh, through, uh, through, I believe, 5 holes, and then made a very long stretch of pars, and Birdie 2 of his last 4 to get it back in to give Punch uh, some sort of a fighting chance. But as much as we don't like him as well, you got to give Patrick Reed a, a lot of credit. Made a very clutch, a bit, about 10-footer on his last hole for Birdie, which essentially secured them the win because he finished right about the same time uh, DJ did. But Reed as well, Birdie's uh, going through his last few holes. Birdied, I believe, his 10th hole, his 11th hole, par-par, then Birdie's his uh, 14th and 15th hole. And actually, on eighteen, which was his sixteenth hole, he hits it in the water, Sam, and has to drop really, really far back. Has a has some sort of a fairway wood into the green, puts it in the greenside bunker, and has a really, really good up and down. I think right there when I because I watched almost every shot on Sunday for me, that's where I felt like the four aces had it won at that point because. Reed could have made double, could have made triple. And when you're counting every single score out there, that's going to have a huge impact uh, on your team. For him to make a bogey there, I think was super, super clutch. Everyone's going to look at the putty man in the last hole, but I think him making that bogey there is really what helped uh, give him momentum and his team uh, to victory.
1: Absolutely. And T-Dub, I think the thing that I liked about this format the most is it takes a team effort. I mean, we even saw guys like a Taylor Gooch who made five birdies and six holes on the actual back nine there. Now, he did have three bogeys in in a row on the front nine, but it took a team effort. He made the long putt earlier on in the round. He made, like I said, five birdies in six holes. Every single guy on that four aces team made the putts when they needed to make them, and that's why they beat team punch by one shot. The fact that they took
2: four scores out of four, one of the few team formats you'll find where you don't get to throw out an individual score, I think just like I mentioned earlier, showed the depth uh, of the teams really, and that's really what hurt um, the, uh, the stingers, the uh, the smash and the punch. That's the reason, that, they, especially the punch, because Cam Smith 7-under should have prevailed uh, the team to win. But I just want to sum up by saying, Sam, I, I think that, the, the first year of live, I think, for the, at least for the tournament wise, it it went better than I think anyone could have prognosticated. In my opinion, the tournaments majority of them went absolutely stellar. You had Dustin Johnson play every single one of the events, so that that made the field a lot better. Cam Smith, after winning the uh, the British Open uh, and playing through the FedEx Cup playoffs, comes over and plays the last few live events along with players like Joaquin Neiman, who came later as well. So yeah, I, I think that first of all, this is going to be. A uh, great success up to this point. I'm interested to see what the next year holds, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a second with some rumors and stuff of uh, more players. But what their official schedule looks like, I think it's going to come out at the end of November, start of December, somewhere around that area, and just to see what all the rest has to hold. And hopefully, the PJ tour and the Limp can coexist because it's been a beautiful thing so far. Because if the PJ tour, like this week, doesn't have a, didn't have the best tournament. We can go to live and watch to live and and then vice versa. If there's a a really good PGA Tour event, then you have to live as just a, it could be secondary, it could be first, depending on uh, what you like to watch. So it's just, it's just great. And I love to see the two tours coexist. And hopefully we can somehow end the massive feud that's been going on.
1: I totally agree with that T-Dub. And the thing that I liked about live the most this season was the fact that they weren't afraid to change some certain things who would have ever thought t-dub about a team tournament where you have alternate shot and match play in the same afternoon right and then you have a team format where you're counting every score it's different things that i think that people would enjoy watching if they would just give live a chance and not to mention the normal live events were extremely entertaining i think that The shotgun start was something that wasn't very popular when they started, but we realized that it became just exciting. And when you watch the tournament, you finally understand that there are so many possibilities that you can make golf so much more exciting. I think they really did change the landscape of golf, and we're not even talking about the politics or the money or what these guys are getting or the PGA Tour or the OWGR. We're not even talking about any of that. I just know for a fact that Liv has grown the game of golf over the past six months or so.
2: And just just the difference that it brings from the PGA Tour. And some people call what the PGA Tour is bringing was stale. I, I felt like I would enjoy the majority of the tournaments that were played. But just to have this as an as another option in particular, in a lot of weeks it was the best tournament. Uh, that that the professional golf had that week, so yeah, I think it's I think it's beautiful for for what's going to happen in the future of the game of golf. I, and I do think one of the things that'll be interesting in the season is what happens with the teams. There may be some trades, there may be some free agent pickups, things along that nature, and even something too we hadn't really talked about this, but um, Harold Varner, who was the uh, the captain of the Niblicks, essentially came out and ripped James Pyatt as, after his round because said he didn't look like that he was. Uh, really into it. So that's something that you don't ever see in an individual tournament because you can't rip anyone besides yourself. The only person you can rip is your caddy, and then you kind of just look like a punk when you do that. So, But, no, I think you're going to see this in the future, too, of, of guys who don't feel like the other players on their team are stepping up. They're going to get called out. And so that's just another dynamic to this that people really didn't really think about that would happen. That is. So, so many extra layers to it like you're mentioning Sam and uh, I'm excited for the future uh, of not just live but professional golf in general because as you mentioned earlier I think it's in a better place than it was a year ago which a lot of people won't agree with but uh, I'm going to stay firm in that decision.
1: T.W. you made a great point right there and we hear all this crap about live being an, <laughs> an exhibition which I think is just ludicrous right and we heard Harold Varner after he beat Brooks Kepka, he was told by Bubba Watson that hey great win beating brooks kepka in the singles match but your team is is not going to win and and you saw harold varner just kind of be like Damn, dude, that sucks because, it, and he's like, I would have taken a loss for my team to be able to win. It's something that we've never seen in golf before. And, and you know, a few of us have that maybe played college golf, but especially not on the professional golf landscape. There's certain things that we saw during Live, whether it be the mic'd up caddies or, or whatever it may be that you like about Live golf. We've seen so many different things that we never thought we would see in our lifetime in professional golf.
2: Well, and also, too, I mean, with with the teams only being four players, you feel like unless you're dealing with just some random asshole, that you could get some pretty good team camaraderie going on. And then from there, you can have other players motivate you to want to be better. I guarantee you, Taylor Gooch, who we've had on this podcast numerous times, playing with Dustin Johnson all the time, had to have made him a better player. I mean, it it just has to. It has to motivate you to want to be better. And people are going to say, oh, well, the money won't won't motivate you to not want to practice. Playing against and on the same team as one of the the best golfers of all time is it, going to make you want to do that. And the same for even the team that fills on with the High Flyers as, as Matthew Wolf. I mean, that's going to motivate him to want to be better. And the, the things that he could learn as well around the greens and chipping from Phil and course management, and things like that. It's it, just another layer of something that people don't talk about, but I, an extra dynamic of why I love the the future of where that lives going. And as long as can avoid the politics, and hopefully they can get some sort of TV deal going. I know that we don't want to see the, the commercial free thing go away, but I feel like for this format to exist
1: in the future, I feel
2: like it's going to have to. We and that's heard just that conflict. Taylor
1: Gooch that, you know, it's, it's going to have to, unfortunately.
2: And, and it has to because you look at where the PJ tour, tour gets most of their revenue is from TV contracts. And that that's what Liv is going to have to do at the end of the day. And as long as it's not like, and I don't think it's going to be like the, what a lot of PJ Tour coverage is, where you get 45, 50% of it being commercials and you don't really see, you see maybe 10 but shots will, hey, before Tito, they go back I, to another.
1: I, I do want to butt in right here because I do want to say that. Even if they have commercials, the volume of shots that we will see in between those commercials, I would love to see the numbers on the shots that are shown on the PGA Tour in between commercials, especially on a Thursday or Friday, compared to what we might see on Live once they get that TV contract.
2: Well, and, and on the PGA Tour, especially Thursday and Friday, you have split wave tee time. So you're going to have, majority of the time, you have half the good players going or the, the star players is what, what brings in the audience. We'll play in the morning, so you'll have your PGA Tour live, that kind of thing, to, to watch it. But then in the afternoon, you'll only have half of the, the really elite players in the field playing, and then when they're walking between shots, a lot of times they're in the featured group. So there's a lot of time between not shots being played. But on the live with the shotgun start, you're going to have everyone playing at the same time, so if you want to watch Dustin Johnson, okay, he's walking. Watch Cam Smith over here if they're not in the same group. Or, or watch Phil Mickelson over here. or Watch uh, Brooks Koepka over here. Watch Bryson DeChambeau in, in this group. And it, it, it truly is phenomenal, Sam, like you mentioned earlier, just the, the different things that, that Live has implemented and implemented in a successful manner, too. And I I, I know people are going to think that we're just Live supporters and Live lovers and P.J. tur haters and that kind of thing. But I have no agenda here, Sam. I just do what my eye test tells me. And eye test tells me that this has been exciting golf to watch. And uh, if you take everything that's hap- happened off the course, I don't think anyone who's ever liked golf in history would oppose, besides with the exception of maybe 2% of golfers would oppose uh, the product that's being uh, performed on television or on YouTube
3: in the sense.
1: I totally agree with that. And T-Dub, one thing that I'm looking forward to is not just the rumors of certain guys that we'll get to in a second. It's the fact that Liv has not technically started yet, so we could see some movement in some teams before this first official season on Liv. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw, you know, whether it be Team Punch or the Four Aces break up uh, and maybe find some different team members. I'm excited to see what the teams are going to be for next year before the uh, schedule is released.
2: I think there's going to be a decent amount of movement. I truly do. I I think then there'll be some teams that that all stay put. But, yeah, there's going to be some movement, and there may even be some new additions of of the 48 guys who who are playing right now. I think you may see some more people come in. And you'll also have situations last week, like Martin Keimer, who was supposed to be – uh, one of the, the team captains He got hurt So then they sub in um, The young man I forget his name Off the top of my head He played in as, I think I believe Al-Curdy. it was Sergio Alcurti. Yes Al-Curdy, Yes That's exactly who it was Yep And um, he didn't I don't believe he won a match That he played So they, they The team played two matches But he did have to play Dustin Johnson and I think Joaquin Neiman in the first round. So Good kind on. of a, a hard <laughs> hand. On, kid. Yeah, 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 I don't think very few people are going to get uh, through that gauntlet of competition. So you'll have situations like that. So there'll be maybe there'll be alternates for teams uh, going forward, but then that might put some players in a pretty tricky situation between if they're going to play and if they can play in other events. So, but, yeah, I, I'm, I think that's another thing, because that's one of the things I love about – Team sports like the NFL or NBA. I love free agency. I love all season trades. Even NFL, there's, there's a trade deadline today, I believe. So, I mean, I love seeing stuff like that. And I think we're going to get a little bit of that in golf, which is something we've never seen before, Sam.
1: I totally agree with that. And, T Dub, let's talk a little bit about the rumors that have resurfaced over the past week. We've heard. Uh, from the Guardian that they are reporting that there is big rumors. I, I don't know how to explain this, right? You know, because we've talked about Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley possibly going to live for months now. And now it's just now resurfacing. But we thought that they might go after the British Open or we they might go after the FedEx Cup. And now they're resurfacing again late in the year, T.W. Do you give any credence to these rumors that we're hearing reported from the Guardian that Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley and Mito Pereira and Thomas Peters are strongly considering joining a live team for the new season in 2023?
2: So what it sounds like to me right now, it's, it's a kind of a filtering of rumors, right? It's like, so-and-so heard this, so-and-so heard this. But what's really interesting about it is, as you mentioned earlier, we've been talking about Xander and Cantley going there for months now, and it's sort of And We talked about uh, Pereira, too. I thought Pereira would be a chance to go after the President's Cup because that, that was his probably one of his only chances to play in a team format like that. And he was rumored to go for a decent while. I don't know if Thomas Peters had been in, in many rumors. I don't remember him being there, but that's a name that doesn't surprise me at all. And if you if they could secure four of those players, or even if they got just Cantley and, and Peters, let's just say that happened, or even just one of the players, Sam, I think. That would be a pretty good success. Um, as far as do I believe the rumors, I, I'm not expecting the update to come through any time today saying that that those four have signed. But I think it's definitely something to monitor. Um, I was I was expecting Xander and Cantlay to kind of be out of the discussions. At this point, it felt like they've kind of been solidified with the PGA Tour over the last few months in the players meeting and all that stuff that went on so that it was a little bit shocking to read that but the more i think about it, the more the more it's not because we look at the, the overall money that the, the that the uh, the live guys have made this year taylor gooch making over 10 million versus kefka 8 million charles swartzel 8 million dj after the uh his player in bonus made 35 million dollars so i mean it's definitely not stupid at all but the, i don't know sam how much validity do you give the rumors?
1: i give the rumors a little bit more validity just because it's similar to what I've heard in the past. Now, you know, in the past, T-Dub, I heard that Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley were a package deal. So the fact that this rumor includes both Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley makes me think that this might be a little more true than just your average rumor. And then we heard that Mito Pereira was supposed to, uh, you know, join Live when Cam Smith joined Live, and he never did. So... I don't know if someone is just hearing old rumors that we heard a long time ago, or you know, if if now that it's the new season on the PGA Tour and it's kind of the end of the year and the quote unquote off season for the elite golfers on the PGA Tour, I think that there's a chance that this is real. But I would also say there's probably a sixty percent chance that someone is just hearing an old rumor.
2: And, and there's a very decent chance of that, or someone could just be. Spitting out something just to try to to make some a little bit of headlines, which happens a decent amount of time. But like I said, it's weird that. It, it's sort of like when you're in high school, right? And there's all this the drama that goes around, right? So and so said this, so and so said this. You hear something like two months ago and you don't think too much about it, but then you actually see with your fact the rumor that was spreading, you're like, oh, wow, well, that actually did happen. And that's kind of similar to what I feel like is happening here, where it's, you know, there was points throughout, it was kind of like a roller coaster, right? It'd be like one day, oh, well, it seems like Kateway and Shopway are for sure going. And then two days later, it's like, no, nah, I think they're going to stand the PJ Tour. And then just kept going up and down. So, I don't know. Maybe the roller coaster just extended a little bit longer than we thought, and it's going to can- extend into the off season, like you said. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But I-, I do agree with you. I think there's probably a better chance that these rumors aren't true compared to if they are. But definitely going to be something to monitor. I mean, we're already going to monitor player anyone who potentially may live leave leave the p j tour to go to live. And now that this has come back, I think it's going to get. My interest isn't all the way there. I'm not going to be refreshing Twitter every five minutes to see if someone's left. But I'm definitely going to check in on it every now and then because uh, it's going to completely – if all four of those players did leave, Sam, it would change the way that the PGA Tour has to move going forward, don't you think?
1: I mean, yeah, those four guys, but really the two that matter, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, because right now the PGA Tour has Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay and Justin Thomas. If they lose any of those guys, their product diminishes by you know by two hundred times, right? And so, to me, T Dub, I think just in my mind, I think that the best chance you have of one of these guys actually going to live would be patrick cantley and if the pga tour lost patrick cantley that's one of their top 5 guys on the pga tour that's a huge hit to the pga tour and like we've talked about i don't need the pga tour to take a hit i'm not rooting against the pga tour i do have to give credit though for live if they do get a guy like this because that would be a massive get and if they actually get patrick cantley and xander Shoffley, is there a chance that Liv has a better product than the PGA Tour all of a sudden? So uh,
2: not going off the OWG or going off the uh, the, the strokes gained rankings, Rory and, and Rom are one, two, but Cantlay and Shoffley are three and four. And then Cam Smith is six. Dustin Johnson is, is eighth in there. So you'd have, if that happened, you'd have four of the top eight. So I definitely think you'd be top heavy there. And then just looking at the the names of the P J Tour, would have obviously Rory and Rom are are huge names. You have Scheffler in there who would de- who could definitely carry you for a little bit. But then you get down and and a, a a big name when it comes to the fan base. So I, I can understand him, you know, being a, an eye catcher. But then. Like, Sun J.M., I love Sun J.M. I love watching him play golf, but I don't think people are going to tune in and say, oh, I need to buy PJ Tour live to watch Sun J.M. play, you know, in the morning. You know, there's not many people that are doing that. They're <laughs> going to need players like, like Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris and, and even a Victor Hovland who we've rumored for a long time That's uh, right. to go to live. If, he, if those guys can stay on the PJ Tour and they can succeed the PJ Tour's going to be just fine and honestly they'll be just fine as long as they have tiger woods um on their back too so really nothing we're not saying anything is going to happen with pj true but if Liv does keep poaching even more players here and there it's just going to keep making the pj Turb look more in the mirror and maybe make even more changes as much as i agree with all the changes that have been made so far there's probably even more room for improvement and i hope that is a consequence of all these decisions that are going on
1: soon And I will say that the more and more guys that Liv gets, the better chance that Liv has of getting not only official World Golf ranking points, um, but getting their guys into more and more majors as well because – the more time, the more times you keep Patrick Cantlay or Xander Shoffley or Dustin Johnson outside the top twenty in official world golf ranking, the more and more you know diminished the official world golf ranking is, and and then the majors would have to take a look at changing their criteria. Um, I think another you know kind of implication in this is that. Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, T Dub, could be looking at these numbers and say, "Yeah, I know Dustin Johnson got you know X amount guaranteed, but this guy just made thirty-five or six or seven—I I, I don't know the exact number, T Dub. What was the exact number on what Dustin made throughout his live the, the eight events on live?" To me, uh, the
2: number I'm seeing is thirty-five million six hundred thirty-seven thousand.
1: Exactly. So maybe Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantley are looking at that number and saying. Man, I mean, he's just making a killing over there, and eventually he's going to you know, be in the majors too. Why would I not take a look and, and at least entertain this idea of going to live, right?
2: Well, and another reason too, I don't believe we've talked about this, is – Another reason why I give the the rumors just a little bit more validity than I would think was the CEO of the R&A came out a couple of days ago and said, we're not going to ban anyone from playing in, in the British Open, which I think is something that hasn't really been highlighted a whole lot, but is a well, really big, big state And And
1: go ahead. Sam. You know, uh, he did definitely say that, but however, they will still be going off official world golf ranking. I think you might hear the masters say that exact thing as well. But you got guys like you know Taylor Gooch ranked what 40th in the world right now, which is ridiculous.
2: Well, and, and at least with, with Taylor Gooch, he's going to be in the top 50 at the end. But like players like Dustin Johnson and everyone who, who's earned up the, the exemptions through the majors, they're not going to worry about it. Which right. is for the majority of players is, is the, the the real eye catchers yes. uh, for those tournaments. So it's it's that's another reason why I think that these rumors may have just a little bit more of a chance to be true is. Uh, it's it's interesting that the first move of, of the, the majors coming down and saying no, we're not going to ban anyone. That you said, no, the, the world rankings will play a part in it. But no, they're not just going to say no live player can can play in this event. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's one of the reasons why maybe these guys are choosing this moment to, to, to go, Sam.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, there's no risk if you're a Patrick Cantlay or Xander Shoffley, right?
2: Besides having a, a high and increased bank account, no, I don't think so at all. <laughs> I, I guess the, the the only risk would be losing sponsors, right? Because there there have been a few players that have lost some sponsors. So yes, that is the risk from it. and the PR hit that would come from it, and I guess it probably would eliminate you from having any type of relationship with Tiger Woods, which is, as, as Colby Powell, former host on the show, had said before, he thinks that one of the reasons Ricky didn't go to live is because of his friendship with Tiger. So I think for a lot of people, especially
1: our age, Sam, that that does weigh heavy on this decision. I, I agree with that, T-Dub. Uh, speaking of that, you said you had the list in front of you. What were the numbers just on what the Liv players made on the course? Not the not the guaranteed money included in these numbers, but what were, let's say, the top 10 guys uh, on Liv? What did they make throughout those eight events?
2: All right, so uh, let me do a little bit of quick math here. So if DJ made $35 million minus his eighteen, so then he made $17 million on the course, Brendan Grace, uh, who was second because he made eight million on his um end of the year bonus. So let's take eight million out of that. So he made about eight million over the course of the year. Uh Peter Yulai made about eight million on the year. Uh, Patrick Reed made twelve million. Taylor Gooch ten million. Brooks Kepka and Charles Schwartzel, Pat Perez all over, just a little bit over. Eight million, Cam Smith uh seven point three million, Chikara just a hair below seven million. Then you get down to Carlos Ortiz, Sergio Garcia, Henrik Stenson, Uh, All making anywhere from 600, um, or I'm sorry, 6 million down to 5.5 million. That's just getting basically into 15th, who was Joaquin Neiman, Sam, 15th on the Live Money List, $4.5 million. I mean that's just it's just unbelievable the amount of money they're giving at least compared um, to the PJ tour. Um, give me your thoughts on that because I'm gonna pull up last year's PJ tour money list just to figure out where all of those guys would fit in.
1: Well, I mean even a guy like Pat Perez who a lot of people have made jokes about on Twitter for how much money he's made just by being a part of the Four Aces. It seems like a smart decision to me for Pat Perez because T Dub, he's made twenty percent of what he made his entire PGA tour career. And to me, if you are a guy like Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantley, it just seems like you have to be looking at those numbers. I know that people want these guys to only care about quote unquote legacy or or quote unquote the PGA tour and 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 trying to break all these records, but how do those records help my wife? How do those records help my daughter? Right. And so to me, I think that those numbers are significant in trying to get these top players, whether people like it or not.
2: Oh, and that's, and anyone who doesn't look at that is just, it's just in over their head to think that, oh, well, an athlete needs to think only about their sport, not about their family. Because everyone else in any other job looks at their family. And just, just for, you talk about Pat Perez earlier, making $8 million. That would have put him sixth on the PGA Tour money list. Sixth in, in money. Pat Perez, are you kidding me? Chikara <laughs> at, at $6.9 million would have been ninth. He would have made, he made more money than Justin Thomas, Sam. Justin Thomas, you won the PJ Championship. Wow. Chikara made more money than in in six events or whatever. Is that not mind-blowing?
1: That is mind-boggling. That is the most maybe mind-boggling live stat that I've heard, that Chikara made more money than Justin Thomas last year.
2: Uh, let me get the exact. So, uh, six point nine million versus six point eight million. About a hundred thousand more th- than Justin Thomas.
1: PJ major
2: champion. Justin Thomas. And I will. I will say this, Sam. The uh, the the PJ tour list I'm looking at. Doesn't include um, what the FedEx payout was, so I can't remember where JT right. finished in the Tour Championship. So he may have ended up making a little bit more, but just straight off of, of dollar may I know that Chakara has the team aspect where he made a little bit, but just on the on the surface of it, yeah, Chakara more money than uh, JT.
1: That is unbelievable, T-Dub. Uh, speaking of Chicara, obviously he played his college golf at Oklahoma State. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners got a win in Hawaii over the past week, and, and I guess we'll end the show with that, T-Dub, because we definitely got to talk about the Sooners getting a win. We thought they might be down a little bit this year, but definitely a great you know taste in your mouth to go into the offseason here for the Sooners. Yeah, what a great
2: way to end uh, the fall schedule and get, uh, you know, some momentum going. into the spring, they had three guys finish in, in the top ten, Sam. Uh, Jake Holbrook, uh, Andrew Goodman, Stephen Campbell uh, finished fifth, fifth, and tenth. respectively. Patrick Rolich finished uh, 17th in there. So four guys inside of the top 20. Very, very impressive there to see. They ended up beating Clemson by, I believe, was that 12 shots? So Clemson's got they got a fairly decent program. So yeah, it's uh, very good to see and good to see uh, some of the low scores that were played. Uh, Holbrook shot 66, 66. His last two rounds. Andrew Goodman shot 64 in the first round, along with a 66 in, in the final round. So yeah, it's uh, it's a really good thing to see the uh, the the the, the OU get a little bit of momentum going in the spring because as you mentioned, you know, they lost a lot of players last year and a lot of really good players and. With, with how good teams like North Carolina and Vanderbilt are going in the spring they'll have to, uh, you know, it's just bottom line, they'll have to get better if they want to win a national championship and I definitely think they're on the right direction luckily they have about six to seven months uh, to get their games in gear because uh, competition is going to be fierce this year, Sam.
1: Absolutely it is and we even saw, by the way, I, I do want to mention this because we even saw Tennessee freshman Caleb Surratt last week at the Bermuda Championship. Somehow I missed this when we did our Bermuda recap, but I have to mention this T-Dub. Listen to this. He finished tied for 65th in the golf tournament, um, but the Tennessee freshman goes out there and shoots 71, 64, Now, let's just say he shot even par in that third round. He would have finished tied for 11th as uh, a freshman at Tennessee. Now, obviously, he didn't do that. He shot 85, but to me, I know he shot 64 in the second round, but that 65 after shooting an 85 is more impressive to me. And if I'm a college coach, I absolutely love that because it helps the team out, right? Well,
2: and I'm looking at a scorecard here, Sam. On the 14th hole on Saturday when he shot his 85, he made a 12 on the 14th hole. A 12. Wow. That, that, that was just eight over. He was one over on his round for the day, I believe, and then um, seems to make a 12. And I watched a little bit of, of Bermuda the, the last few holes, and that 14th hole, Sam, one of the narrowest holes I've ever seen on television. That thing is is, is extremely narrow. The guy who was leading the tournament, Ben Griffin, had the infamous layup with an iron into the hazard with a one-shot lead and so i could easily see a situation where Surratt maybe hit it left tried to hit it out could, couldn't get it out that kind of thing so it, that goes to show one hole and that, that's something to be being, being a young kid as he is you, you don't see vet pj tur veterans make 12s very often with the exception of kevin nall down at tbc san antonio made a 16 <laughs> or whatever it was or or a man john daly of bay hill who made it at 18 or whatever but that's those, that's a special occasion there. So these, these are generally things that you don't see happen from PGHR veterans, and, and Sir Rod will probably learn from, from that moment because, as you mentioned, if he just made a par there, if he gets nine shots better, he's going to propel himself into a top... Early top 25 finish, so it's the kids got a lot to learn but you definitely tell is an exceptional talent with that 64 65 he posted on friday and sunday soon
1: absolutely t-dub did we miss anything today here it was a little bit longer show but we had a lot to talk about with the uh, oklahoma golf hall of fame scramble and then we talked to maury rose and and we had a lot to talk about today did we miss anything in the professional golf landscape
2: uh, I hit everything on my list, famous Ben, like you said, a long show, but a, a great show, just hopefully highlighting. How, how great the state of golf is in the state of Oklahoma, and I, I don't think we solidified what show will do this yet, but just want our listeners to pay attention, because we're planning on doing it sometime after uh, Live Miami. We will have our season uh, end uh, award show, which we called the Holies last year. Yes. I think that's a pretty cool name, so we'll get that in. So Not exactly sure when that's going to come out Sam. but want our listeners to stay tuned for that, because it was a major hit last year, and now that we have Woody on giving some of his awards, <laughs> I expect it to be many, many times
1: better. We're definitely going to do that, and we also... T- Talk to a couple of Oklahoma legends, not only in the game of golf, but in just the sports landscape of Oklahoma as well, yesterday that are excited to come on the podcast sometime soon. Uh, so definitely stay tuned. We'll always have the best guests and the best recap here on the 73rd Hole podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Please go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 73rd Hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram and also leave a like and subscribe on the podcast. The subscribe button is the purple one on Apple podcasts and the green one on Spotify, no money whatsoever. It just helps us out and helps us get a better gauge on the amount of people that are subscribed and listening. T-Dub, thank you so much. Thank you to Woody. Thank you to Maury Rose here on the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast of golf Oklahoma.